every immigrant experience is almost identical. I think it's uh, I'm unique. But when I finish this book, I see, oh my God, the people from uh, Germany, people from uh, Switzerland, people from Italian, from uh, Vietnam, from uh, Korea, they all share the same feeling. And of course, with me today is my co-host, Don Sun. Hi. Hi, Katie. And uh, hi, every audience, my friend there. I'm so happy to coming back again with Katie. Katie is an expert on the podcast, and uh, he has a major in journalism and also politics. So it's uh, it can mitigate my heavy English accent. So it's the, we just need to find, talk about the, whatever the subject that we can chat about today. Thank you. Katie. Oh, thanks. Um, I promised your English is great. <laughs> this week on the show, we're going to review Tyler Anbinder's um, 2016 book, City of Dreams. You have read it and you're really excited to share um, with us. Um, so the book tells the story of, uh, to use the, the subtitle, the 400-year epic history of immigrant New York. Um, so, Don, just give me a little bit of background. Why did you choose this book for our book review this month? And, like, what were you interested in learning? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons I choose this book. And, you know, it's uh, in the Silicon Valley Bay Area. I used to host the Chinese radio talk show for over, I think, it's eight years. At that time, the most... Uh, Chinese audience here when I talk Chinese about the books of uh, New York uh, uh, top 100 books, and they enjoy that I introduce American politics, American culture to the new immigrant. And this book is almost the last one I try to introduce to the audience, but at that time, I'm too busy. So this book I finished reading, but on the shelf, I never have a chance to go back to talk this book is all the audience. I'm glad it's the uh, when we're coming back with this particular podcast together, we can choose this book. This book is my favorite book, even it's so long and heavy, but I like to share with everyone here. That's I didn't realize that you had um, a book review podcast. Yeah, so my my dream is just. Uh, want to help uh, people with a similar background, like me, they immigrate to this country and they come in, get a master's degree, get a PhD degree, and they got a job and the risk case here. And then they stop reading. Nobody going to continue read the books. And uh, my kind of a sense of a responsibility and also want to enrich myself. I think it's the book, it's a, the best bad things people say, Don, you volunteer to do the radio talk show host without any compensation for eight years. I said, I'm enriching myself by reading books and uh, I share the books with people. I learned a lot about this country. Yeah, that's, it's really good that we have this show actually, because I just graduated in May and it's, it's been a struggle to keep reading when someone is not telling me like, you need to read this by this day. So I'm really excited to um, talk about this book with you and learn a little bit more. 
about the history of uh, New York. So we will come back after a quick break. symbolic representation of America's immigrant history. With the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, both landmarks to immigration in this country, um, the city of New York is a city of immigrants that's kind of representative of America as a nation of immigrants. And it's still really well known for its um, neighborhoods and ethnic enclaves. I was doing some research before the show this week and I found out that there are nine different Chinatowns alone in New York City. That's not even Chinatowns anywhere else in the US. Um, so Brooklyn, Queens, all of these places have their own Chinatowns. And as of 2012, New York City was home to the largest Chinese ethnic population outside of Asia in the whole world. Um, of course, Staten Island still has one of the highest populations of ethnic Italians in the US. Um, the Bronx is home to a large Puerto Rican population. And I'm like only scratching the surface here. There, The list goes on and on um, of neighborhoods of immigrants in New York City. And so that, and that really only encompasses like immigration since 1900, the beginning of the 20th century. Um, and, and in this book, it goes back 400 years. So could you, Don, tell me a little bit about like where the book begins and like what were the early patterns of immigration before kind of what's more popularly known about New York City's immigrant history? Yeah, I can, I can share that the feeling when I opened the book, it's so sick. It's just like a 700 pages, that's sick. And you know, the English is my second language. When I read this book, is I'm scared myself. See, can I finish from page one to the end? But when you turn the page, the first paragraph is just catch my eye. And then it's, I just keep reading. It's so interesting. I never know it's a, the first person coming to this country, to New York, is coming from a Dutch, the Holland uh, the people. And the New York name, the city's name, used to be called uh, uh, New Amsterdam. So it's now New York. Until I think it's uh, to the 1660s. And then when British colonial take over the, the authority of uh, management, and they change the name to New York. And then the, the, from generation to generation, the first uh, from a Duchy to England, and from uh, uh, East European Jewish community to the Germany, and then Italian, every like uh, 50 years, and they have a different uh, the, the immigrant ethnic group coming to this country, but they all settled in the New York City. And I think it's a, uh, whatever the change, even the political structure, is the New York City is a reflect of the whole world, the people coming here and uh, the first generation, some sometimes they discriminate their own ethnic group. And then the, the later, their next generation, they assimilated into this society. It's so interesting. You can see there's a lot of uh, personal stories. Each chapter have their own very unique uh, the element they tell the each uh, immigrant from different country how they assemble here, how they help each other, how they run their business, and how do the the connection with their motherland, 
That's so interesting. That's the keep me from read from page one to the end. And then、mm. after you reading the book, you really got a sense. New York City is not only a city; it represents the entire American American spirit, and how tolerant, how the、uh, inclusive of this country make people love this country more and more. Yeah, that's. I I'm really interested in how these immigrants stayed connected with their home countries, especially because I know, like my own family, generations ago immigrated.、Um, so in the 1800s,、uh, there were a lot of people flooding into the U.S. from war-torn Europe. So my own family arrived like during this time period. At least on my my dad's side, we know、uh, my ancestor who passed through Ellis Island, right outside of New York.、Um, his name was Elias Simpson, and he came in 1896、um, from Liverpool, England. He was 22 years old. I learned this week, so I thought, wow, if I had been my my great great, I think it's two greats, my great great grandfather. I would have immigrated like a year ago to a new country. I would love to hear more about like once these people got to the U.S. and to New York specifically, what was their life like, and how did they stay connected to their home cultures, or did they? Yeah, the, I think each、uh, ethnic group, especially from uh, like uh, your family coming from England, this probably is、uh, I don't know it's、uh, from Scotland, Irish, or is it just、uh, simply England. Yeah,、from. we're not really sure. I think he might have been Irish. We just know his like port of origin, so we don't really know very much about what his life was like in England. Yeah, most of the people they coming here, they are kind of a、uh, be depressed by in their country. They either has no food, homeless, and then coming here to get some.、Uh, The, the basic shelter, food, and struggling, and then they got the opportunity from Irish and the、uh, the Scotland the people there. They they feed their family by the potatoes, right? And then is the, when the, there is a、uh, the, the disease happened, all the potato is gone. So the people right the、uh, potato famine, yeah. And then the people come here. I just wondering though, is your family is coming for the potatoes, or is coming from a super rich colonial? The officials coming here to dominate New York. That's I I don't know, but it's that's the kind of a、uh, the experience for the Jewish community. They just、uh, mostly coming here is uh, uh, because the, the second the first World War and there's the Germans the. Uh, have some Jewish exclusion, and the, the, they they just run away from the the Nazi Germany. That's the kind of a、uh, situation from、uh, German. And for the Asian people, you know, is they're coming from、uh, Korea, from Vietnam. That's all become war, and then they they become refugee here. From mainland China,、uh, the people coming here is separate. One wave is、uh, people from Hong Kong, and then it's coming from Taiwan, and then it's the last wave is coming from mainland China. I was coming from mainland China, so it's I know in the past thirty to forty years, a lot of uh, uh, I think it's a well educated people. They finished the top tier the college in China. They all coming here. We probably like、uh, two million to three millions the、uh, college educated.、Uh, Students coming here, get into the graduate school, and uh, but uh, 
basically the we keep a connection to the motherland so tightly. You know, the, when I moved here, uh, I was almost 30 years. I barely speak English. So uh, I remember the first time when I walked into the, uh, the classroom and the professor called me, says, after class coming to my office, I was so nervous and came to the office. And then professor said, how much you understand uh, in the classroom when I talk? I said, zero. <laughs> <laughs> how old were you? I'm, uh, uh, when I come here, I'm uh, 27 already. <laughs> I didn't speak English, but they, they, uh, they gave me the scholarship. They uh, uh -huh. me because the, the, my academic achievement in China is uh, pretty good. And also it's, uh, I used to work in the World Bank make uh, join the, uh, oh. the working with the World Bank. So resume is good. And also the, the, my reference from this country is very good. They said, oh, Dang is the excellent uh, student. Your school is going to be benefited from uh, his <laughs> admission. So I came here, but uh, it's a uh, pretty quick because uh, my major is uh, economics. So mostly it's uh, mathematics, statistics, just do the model. So you just calculate and uh, pretty easy to get the first semester passed. <laughs> yeah, so my, my, this, my family story is pretty different. We don't know very much about my mom's family because um, my mom's dad's dad, so my great grandpa on her side was adopted. So we really have no idea. Um, but Elias, my great grandfather on my, or great, great, great grandfather on my dad's side. He, he came through Ellis Island in New York. He didn't stay, um, in New York city. He traveled to the Dakota territory, which is where my great grandfather grew up. They like lived in a sod house and all of that stuff. Um, but, um, many immigrants did stay in New York city. Um, and city of dreams is kind of the story of those people. It, and it's really interesting. One of my favorite places to visit in New York um, is the Tenement Museum. So um, on the Lower East Side, um, and it kind of tracks uh, the, the other side of the story that you're telling. So like the, the people who did come to the US and stayed in New York, um, what was their life like? And so what they've done is they've preserved different um, apartments to look how they did in different, when different families were living there, um, actual real families. So you can visit an apartment as it would have looked for an Irish family in the 1860s or a Jewish Lithuanian family in the 1910s or an Italian family in the 1930s, like within these same few buildings. And I think they are doing virtual tours now because of the pandemic. So if people, maybe we'll link that in our show description this week. Um, if people are interested, you don't actually have to travel to New York because of the magic of technology, but um, that all of that being said, what have you learned or like what stood out to you about how the immigrants lived once they arrived in New York City? Yeah, I think it's uh, the most uh, uh, the impressed uh, the description of uh, New York City and the new immigrants they settled down is called a five point the area that you just described. So that area is the old people stay there because the rent is so cheap. Just one in the lower on the lower east side. Yeah, yeah. This is the so cheap, but uh, it's, uh, 
the book describe what's the most annoyed things is uh, is noisy. But the sound is not like a, today's the modern metropolitan New York. The 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 ambulance chasing the the siren, the running and the the, the holding people. At that time, is the, the people's talk, just like a theaters the before the performance started. People just standing on the street, keep talking from the morning to the end because the room is so tiny. One room is they put eight people, 10 people in a room. So people in the daytime, they, they don't go back to their room. They just go standing on the street and keep talking until midnight. No one can sleep. That's kind of a description. You can see the picture. You can hear the, the all different language every day, every hour, every minute in your ear. Those kind of descriptions are so interesting. But uh, overall, for this uh, the sick book, I got is a uh, pretty. Uh, what I take from this book is uh, every immigrant experience is almost identical. I think it's uh, I'm unique. But when I finish this book, I see. Oh my God, the people from uh, Germany, people from uh, Switzerland, people from Italian, from uh, Vietnam, from uh, Korea, they all share the same feeling. And I remember the, when I first fly to the landed in the LaGuardia airport in the New York, I'm so scared. I standing there in the midnight, I just worry, oh my God, if my friend don't come in here to pick up, I don't know what this word is. <laughs> and then, when I see one person show up, my friend, I said, oh my God, I finally have someone to pick me up. That's kind of experience almost identical for every new immigrant. They, they just keep nervous on the flight. And then when you're settled, you try to assemble yourself into adjust to this society. That's the all almost identical. But uh, we still keep our culture and the same as the other ethnic group. They try to keep their culture and they eat the same food. I'm still eating a lot of Chinese food too until today. And the same, the, and uh, we send money back to home to my parents, to my relatives, and then try whenever they have a chance, I'm going to try immigrate to my family, bring my brothers, my sisters coming to this country and the struggle to apply green card and turn uh, to the citizenship. That's the every document is that we have to go through. The, the one, one thing is I think it pretty funny for my experience is uh, the first time when I learned how to drive, I drive to the, from uh, East Coast, I drive to the, uh, the California. Oh, that's and, a big drive. Yeah. And then it's a police, uh, the catch me, uh, stop me. The, I just heard uh, the, the throwing is uh, behind me because uh, you know it's a cross country drive. It's going you, you you cannot control the speed. I was stopped. <laughs> it's the first time. And then this is the first time you were driving. No, this, I drive several times, but it's first time I catched uh, caught by police. Uh -huh. First time you got pulled over. Okay. I pulled over, and then it's the police asking me to roll down the window and just say paper. And uh, you know, it's the paper in this country means that your driver license, your insurance card, right? So I said, paper, good. So it's uh, I'm uh, digging my my backpack and I got a uh, one white paper. I said, <laughs> hi, 
the paper. I gave it to you. <laughs> and then the police are laughing. Say, I want your driver's license and your insurance card. Now white paper. <laughs> That's what I can remember. <laughs> Later, I know all oh, paper means a document. <laughs> That's kind of things. Every day, there are a lot of stories that when I try to adjust myself into this country, it's so good. But the, the problem is that even we love this country, we try to assimilate ourselves into the society. But the, I think is that we we probably the, for the first generation we probably never can fully integrated in the society. The only thing is that maybe next generation, my case, or it's the next generation, it's pretty hard for the first generation to integrate. Even, I like politics. Politics is almost the incense of any country or it's any political system or any society, but I still feel I'm still a little bit a margin kind of a person. It's mm -hmm. not fitting. Because I don't know it's a, what's a song or what's a music, a folk song you like, and <laughs> what's kind of night nice show you like. Those kind of things that I never have a chance to experience. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things that you learn just from growing up in a place. I even, um, you know, this is like so small compared to moving from the U.S. to China. But I like moved across the United States when I was in middle school and I just like felt so much culture shock. Like I thought I would never adjust because of course America is also so different like within itself. I think it's really interesting what you said about first generation versus second generation. And like, what do you notice about your kids or and maybe this was in the book too about your kids that they have a different sense of um, U US culture than you do? Oh yeah, that's the that's a lot. It's a, they are more much more. I think it's a I call it a simpler. Or it's a, some people it's a, they call the young kids stupid. They think try to think it's a very very direct. They never say I'm going to calculate something. But for the first generation, they have some self protection. So each event happen or each. The, the things happen, they always try to calculate and use the Chinese way to think. And But for the young kids, they grow up here, the environment is so, especially in the Silicon Valley, it's so diversified. So they can have a much more tolerance for us. Most times, I think in this country is a least discriminate country, but may not be agreed with the progressive people. But I personally experience that this country is the best country in the world. They are so different to the immigrant. Even myself, I feel sometimes I discriminate others, like other ethnic group or other cultures. But when you finish this book, and I think it's my mindset changed a lot. So it's the Whenever you settle down this country, you'll feel comfortable. And the our responsibility is to try to help new immigrants make sure the culturally sanitary living habit, just uh, try to civilize and uh, mix uh, with other cultures, not the harsh or it's a bully other other ethnic group. That's the whatever it is, I think there's always room for us to grow ourselves to becoming more human. Mm -hmm, definitely. So, um, and 
I have always really enjoyed learning about these different immigrant stories, even though the history, like for my own family is so far removed um, from my life four or five generations back. I don't remember what it was like in the previous country. My, my family has been here for so many generations that they're just, we're just fully assimilated. Um, but I, I wonder um, what's, what are the, the lessons that you took away from this book and just from your immigrant experience um, for Asian Americans or just broadly um, being a person who whose immigrant experience is so much closer to the surface than, than my own family's? Yeah, there's uh, two, two words I want to uh, take away from this, uh, uh, this book. One is uh, most time, if we think this society gives us or this country gives us uh, some uh, uh, very good living style and uh, condition, and uh, most time it's that we just take a uh, liberty or equity on that one side, and we try to looking for more or right go through the legal system or go through the political system, try to fight for our right and try to. Uh, the got the reduced discrimination, but on the other side, I always uh, try to learn from this book and from all my friends. We are if we are be the one of a member of this country or society, we need to do something in return because it's a compare with every almost every single immigrant, unless they are super rich, they become an investor in this country. Most uh, immigrant, they have a uh, economic difference. They are less rich, or is uh, the in the poverty in their motherland, and coming here becoming better life and uh, have a better opportunity. But uh, most time, it's the we still need to contribute to this country, becoming one of us, the member of a society, just contribute uh, a little bit more, even. Uh, we're struggling to for our life to make a living, but uh, in the spare time, we always can do something for the community work to do some volunteers work. That's going to give you more sense of a, a host. And yeah, my life. I love what I love what you said about being becoming a host in this country. I'm from the south, so obviously hospitality is such a huge thing. Um, and I think that's a really, really beautiful way to think about um, immigration to the U.S. that we're kind of always trying to welcome, hopefully. That dovetails really nicely with something that I wanted to do at the end of this um, episode because I um, was a literature major. Um, so I wanted to bring in a, a poem today to read because um, it's just sort of iconic, again, really associated with um, the Statue of Liberty and all of those things that are like very representative of uh, America as a country of immigrants. So it's a bit cliche, but I wanted to read Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus, um, which some famous lines you might recognize are um, printed or I guess etched on the base of the Statue of Liberty. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned light lightning and her name, mother of exiles. 
From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands, your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And of course, uh, the most like famous part of that, give me your, your tired, your poor, yearning to breathe free, were written of, by a Jewish American woman whose family immigrated from Germany. Um, and the, the poem was actually written as part of a fundraiser for the Statue of Liberty. And so I love that image of America being the mother of exiles and welcoming the homeless and the struggling in. Yeah, I like I like Statue of Liberty. Is uh, whenever it's uh, I visit uh, New York City, I always uh, stop by there and just uh, see that the Statue of Liberty cross uh, the Hudson River, and then it's, I just feel oh my god, so lucky I am. I'm uh, becoming American here, and also this book is uh, uh, I think is uh, we just the just a tiny part of this book and if people have a chance to read it they can read it they can enjoy it i just uh, uh i tend to read the book with a map so it's a, whenever the book is talking about a particular place i'm trying to google that place and then you can see all the vivid pictures and then it's the, you can connect the, the visual image with uh, the word described so it's a description that's the kind of things that i want the people especially for the Asian American. And uh, if they have any chance, uh, if they don't read the book, they can listen to the audio, audio book or read even some uh, uh, book review and the authors talk about this one. I, I almost cover every single episode on the YouTube about this book. I love every, every time when I listen, it's so exciting. And to close things out, uh, finally today, we've had a good conversation, um, but I wanted to introduce a new segment for the show. As you, as we um, are finishing up this pandemic year, we know it's been really hard for everyone and we've had to find ways to entertain ourselves at home. So I thought it'd be fun um, each week if we talked about what we've been reading or watching or listening to, streaming, movies, TV books, podcasts, music, whatever, whatever is getting you through the, the whatever level of quarantine you are in your in your state or city or wherever you live. Um, so, Don, what's keeping you entertained this week? This week, I just came uh, watch the uh, episode, the TV series. It's called uh, uh, the Man Hunting. It's uh, talking about the uh, kind of a uh, uh, one person is a security guard. It used to be the described as the loser, and then it's, uh, he was uh, framed by the FBI. And then it's one one the local uh, ATF guy to help to 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 find the real murder. Who is the real murder? And then it's uh, the on the one side got the uh, clean the clear the his name. On the other side, they catch the real bomber. That's kind of a uh, pretty. Uh, intense keep me awake and try to finish <laughs> another one it's uh, so exciting <laughs> that's kind of a the the tv series uh, that's for my entertainment <laughs> i love it. i love it i love the detective shows 
This week, I so getting up in the morning, especially in these winter months, is such a struggle. So this week, I've really been in the morning enjoying a series from the podcast that I listen to called The Happiness Lab, um, which is hosted by Yale professor, Dr. Lori Santos. Um, and she teaches a, a class at Yale that's like their most popular class ever called The Psychology of Happiness. Um, and earlier this fall, she did a series for her, her podcast called Happiness Lessons from the Ancient where she interviews different professors and experts um, going through some of the lessons that ancient philosophers from like Aristotle to the Buddha um, kind of took about happiness and well-being and how they line up with the modern psychology and cognitive science about happiness. And I'm finding these tips really helpful, definitely, as we struggle through working from home and finding motivation despite the monotony of the day-to-day -day this year. So you should definitely check it out if you're having a rough time getting out of bed in the morning. I think you always have a smiling face and uh, the magnetic uh, the, the voice, and you do need to, to seek happiness. You are happy already. Well, we'll wrap it up there for this week. Don, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. And thank you so much, of course, to our audience for listening to the Asian American Forward podcast. I'm your co-host, Katie Simpson. If you enjoyed the show this week, or if you didn't, send us your comments at info at AsianAmericanForward.com. We would love to hear from you or drop us a note if you have a topic that you'd be interested in hearing us discuss. You can also find us on Facebook. And if you want to hear more conversations between Don and I, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. If you're a fan of the show, leave us a review in the Apple Podcast Store or tell someone about us. We'll talk to you next week.